What's up, guys? We're back with the North American Weed Tour podcast. Uh, I'm Mitch Pfeiffer. And I'm Jay Ping, man. What's up, everybody? We got a we got a special, special guest today coming live from the east side of uh, Washington State, man, Spokane, somewhere in Spokane to be exact. We got our, our homie Fred from GLW, man. What's good, bro? Oh, man, just the same old grind out here in 502. You know, it's a tough one, man. It's tough every yeah. day. I, I love it, it. Man. I dig it. We're, we're just talking about behind the scenes. You guys got some uh, outdoor harvest about to come down and gearing up for that, man. How, how's the season been for you guys? Um, it's, you know, the smoke, the smoke is then uh, uh, a little bit, you know, it's, it's cleared up here. Uh, the plants look amazing. Um, so everything's looking good. We, we went, Last year we had 1,800 plants. This year we went down to 1,100, but we went bigger pots. So, um, you know, we're looking at some great fucking plants. And, and as far as strains, we got like 30 different strains outside. So, you know, most people do that. You know, they might do five, ten maybe. So, you got flavors. You got them okay. flavors. You've always had them flavors, Fred. They call you Flavor Fred in the streets, I heard. <laughs> Man, they, 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 they call me flavors. Yeah, I, do, I do got some samples. We got, I got shit. About 50 different samples to try. So, we got, we've been pheno hunting. So, we're going to try them out tonight. Hey, we gonna do a pheno hunt round tonight? What's up? Well, I should me and Mitch need to get together. I got these runs, these different runs crosses, man. I've been seeing him blow on some runs. I got some, we got some crazy shit coming. Oh, yeah. let's go, man. Yeah, I got, I got, I got to come pull up in Spokane. We'll leave Joey in California. He doesn't need to know nothing about that, man. Uh, oh yeah. man, you know I stay with the fire too. I hear y'all. Come on. So, so with the, with the, with the plants you guys got going outdoor, are you growing some of the same strains you guys are growing indoor? Yeah, well, what we did this year is we threw uh, we threw about we threw about a hundred autos out there, but then that heat wave kind of messed about a half of them up. So we got like seventy five autos that are that are we're just getting ready to harvest, and uh, that's kind of a new tear. You know, that's new this year. I've never done autos, but you know, it's something I probably won't ever do again. But um, I mean, it's cool for some people. You know, it might work for some people, just not for us. Um, as far as the other strains, though, yeah, we took all of our indicas. We took all of our indicas and threw them outside because I knew that at least they would have a chance to finish. And um, that we're finding out some of them are just loving it outside, just killing it. Like, that's where they want to be. Hell yeah. I love it. I love so it. For love a lot it. of this outdoor, a lot of the outdoor stuff, you guys aren't selling that. You know, the flower is the indoor. The outdoor is what goes into the concentrates and things like that, correct? Yeah. So that the indoor is completely different. The indoor is where we, you know, our bread and butter, where we eat with GLW. And then uh, the outdoor was just, uh, we bought the license. And uh, last year, first season. And we obviously got a license. You got to use it. So uh, we we produced a lot of flour, but um, we really didn't know what we were getting into. And uh, you know, this year, this year, uh, you know, we're just gonna we're just gonna you know sell it, wholesale it, and and just uh, keep moving to next to next year, rather than trying to like get top dollar out of it. There's no reason to do that. Sure, sure, sure. And so for the indoor, you guys now have two. I mean, I think we said last time last time we we're up there, you guys were almost fully built out in the second facility, right? Yes, yeah, so we got 7,800 square feet inside, uh, built out. We're, we're licensed for 10,000 square feet. And then as far as the outdoor is a 70,000 square foot, you know, uh, fenced in area. And I mean, it's beautiful. You don't see any dirt. It's all, it's all, you know, tarped. You don't see, uh, it's gravel and tarps. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, what's a little bit of, of your history, man, of like, you know, maybe when GLW started or even yourself in cannabis, like pre that, like what, what's, what's kind of your history, your relationship with cannabis, man? Um, shit, I was, I was selling weed in ninth grade. <laughs> I was like, taking brown weed to school, selling dub sacks every day. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where it started. 
Um, and obviously, you know, moved into like the Beasters, you know, old school Beasters when those used to come through. And we thought that was good. And um, then finally moved in. You know, I'm in Spokane. So that's the home of the indoor. You know, we grow basement grows. That's where it's always been. Basement, indoor fire, especially mm-hmm. in the winter. And then um, kind of I had some friends that they wanted me to, you know, get into growing because I just had a regular garden. And I used to kill it, just a regular garden. And they were like, shit, if you can do that, you can grow weed. And I was like, well, let's try it. You know, we'll try it out. And actually, one of uh, one of the people that got me started is my partner at GLW. So, you know, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. You know, he definitely uh, put me on the right path. <laughs> right. No kidding. We love <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. You guys, long, you guys have been killing it. Thanks. And a long time in the game, man. A, le- a legacy, you know, legacy market, whatever you call it. You know, been been here before before 502 and out here killing it. And that's that's a lot of the stories we love to see grow. You know, this industry is filled with people that that you know hadn't made didn't make the sacrifice or didn't really pave the way and so that's a hot topic you know we gotta bash them too much but i mean what, what's your what's your feeling on on the people that are you know coming in the industry that don't have the the previous experience i mean i think the industry's for everyone you know obviously it's an open industry it's just like the gold rush you know but at the same time those people shouldn't have a more of an opportunity than the people that uh, don't have money or the people that have been in this industry forever. You know, I think that it's set up for, you know, the people with money. I mean, that's just how it is. It sucks. But, uh, you know, people that have paid their dues and got in here, you know, I, feel, I know people that have, you know, lost their life, you know, went to jail, you know, all types of things for, you know, for marijuana. And, you know, they don't, it seems like they, you know, they, they can't even get a damn license. So I think it is messed up. But um, it's just, you know, you have to work that much harder just to be in this industry when, you know, you kind of paved the way for it already. 100%, 100%, man. And it's, yeah, it was crazy to see when it went legal, even though see some of the medical shops have been around for a while, couldn't get, couldn't get in. And then you see, you know, tech workers and stuff like that having no issue getting in. I mean, obviously capitalism is the U.S. is a money, everything's a money game. But uh, shit, we're really thing. seeing, we're really, we're really seeing in Florida right now, you know, all this proof come out about people lobbying against home grows and lobbying against all the other people being able to get licensed and then being able to stack over 50, 70 to 100 licenses, man. 150, 200 licenses. It's so unfair. It's so criminal, man. It's fucking horrible. But Florida, Florida, I mean, I've heard for years Florida was like that. Even back when they said that they were only selling that Charlotte's Web shit. I, I Even back then when they only sold that CBD, I was hearing about how it's already like, you know, four different fucking companies ran that fucking state. And when it did become legal, they were going to run it. And here they we all are. Ran it, and, right? and that was fucking 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. And like, you know, we, we just did the article on that. And from, from my understanding, I might be ignorant to it, but that the true live who's like really under fire right now, um, they had, they had lobbied and worked with the, you know, the government officials to help pass the legislation. Like they were able to build the legislation that they were able to benefit off because they knew they knew that how the chess game was going to roll out before it even started. And the yes. way they set it up is you had to have vertical integration. You had to have X amount of money in the bank, which they already had all that funding and infrastructure set up. So when it went legal, they were the law was written for them to Not have the that, easy, the easy road. You, you had to have fucking because I could be a part with a, with a watermelon farmer from Florida. And you had to have like 20 or 30 years experience growing. Ain't just agriculture, so <laughs> you motherfuckers that have it. So I mean, right there was it was something that was like shit. They, it wasn't set up for the the people that paved the way. It was set up for people. Right, 
Right. It was set up for the people that were able to position themselves, which is which is just wrong, man. And every state's done some stuff right. Every stuff every state's done some stuff wrong, but they're 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 fucking up in the long way down there. Um, I mean, people, so you guys, people. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but people, you know, talk a lot of shit about Washington. It's the rules and this and that. But I, after just seeing everything, seeing the full, you know, every every state, I mean, <coughs> Washington's doing as good a job as anybody. I mean, if, if anything, they're doing a better job. I mean, it, it's a hard market. It's hard, but you better grow. If you don't grow fire, what are you doing? You, yeah. you better keep product that you can make some money off of. I think the problem is people like it was a race to the bottom, like who could who could produce it for the cheapest. But it was really never a race. To the bottom. It was a race to see who could grow fire because that's what's selling. You know, mm -hmm. good wheat. Yeah, hundred percent. If you if you look at like the amount of brands on the shelf that are in like a 45 to $60 range, which is our highest, there's a lot of people and, and it sells really well. Whereas you look at like, you know, cat, but then in, in regards to like Cali 45 to 60 is like a, a budget, not quite the cheapest, but that's a budget, you know, that's not, that's not top shelf prices. Hell yeah. I mean, it's definitely a different market. Um, <clears throat> but just from, from smoking from, for so long, um, I want to smile. I don't really buy too much weed. You know, I don't, I mean, right. it's a lot that goes on. So I want something that's going to taste like it smells. And if it doesn't do that, then I don't even want to waste my time with it. So damn sure not get waste my money. Right. And, and something I want to get in with you, with, with you guys, cause something that I know you've, you've prided yourself very much in the transition of this legal market of being able to learn how to grow clean, clean product. Um, you know, do it the right way, the honorable way, which I know was a learning curve coming from, you know, growing in basements where there was, the information wasn't readily available. But you you were on that early and not even from a marketing standpoint of, oh, it's this or it's that. But what what is the importance to you in terms of like making sure shit is grown clean and proper with the right nutrients and water and everything? Well, it's key because I smoke it, you know, and that's what I think a lot of people maybe in this position, they might own the farm or this and that. They really don't care like I want, I want to put that is you know good, you know good, it's clean, it's not gonna you know do anything to you know hurt me, you know get me sick. So um, that being said, you know we don't want, we're not gonna spray, we're not gonna spray. You know, some people spray in flowers, some people do all these things, you know, and then put the put it out to market. You know, you can't do that. You gotta have clean flour. You know, you you can taste it when you smoke it if it's been sprayed. And uh, you know, benefit insects. Don't when we started using those, it was really just um. We didn't, you know, we had an out, we used to, you know, when we started, we would spray you know, for preventative and then we had an infestation and we switched to insects and that's what I wanted to beat it. Um, and once I, you know, just educated myself on that, you know, it's really the way to go, you know, it, and it's funny. Some places are like, oh, you can't do that. You can't just bugs. You know, there's no way you can, if you, you know, educate yourself, you know what you're doing, you know, and um, definitely just learn it, learn it. But before, you know, like you were saying, there really wasn't, you know, information or anything like that. You just spray something that works. And that's why people spray like nasty shit, like Eagle 20 and things like that, because it shit worked. And they didn't have it just to the, you know, what the fuck it was. Excuse my language. <laughs> Come on, man. This is the keep. We, we got to keep it real here. You got to let the people know this is this is that education that we were just talking about not being out there. Don't We don't need any. Fred, we coming to you because you you one of the experts we trust the most in the space. You always were one of the people that kept it real. It's very important that people understand people were spraying weed for years. People were really um, miracle grow. Using miracle grow. 
you know, things like that. The thing that people don't realize, they're like, oh, medical weed is cleaner. Medical weed is cleaner. I mean, to be honest with you, medical weed to me, like I'm talking about pre-502 was me not going to jail. That was what medical weed was. You know, my medical card kept me out of jail. But, you know, some people didn't look at it like that, but that's how I looked at it, you know. So, you know, pre-502, that, that's what medical, so people are like, oh, medical was cleaner. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. You know, 502, we're actually, we are regulated. We have to get shit tested. We have to see where, we can't just put anything on here and sell it. You know, I mean, shit, we'll put that product on the shelf, we'll get a recall, and we lose tons of money that way. You know, what's the point? You don't want to get, you don't want to go down that road at all. And then people are like, oh, my guy, or, you know, medical days were cleaner. What, the guy growing in the basement that has no regulations, the guy that has spiders down there and his rent is relying on that crop, he's spraying the fuck out of that. Why would he? <laughs> <laughs> he got his hundred percent, hundred percent. Now you mentioned so many important points in that statement you just met, you just made there, uh, and I want to key in on a couple. California, the rest of the country, Washington State. There's a massive market for traditional, aka the black market, right? So it's still out there. The weed's cheaper. It's better. People have this perception that it's safer, or more medical, or things were just better in the medical days. Fred, Fred, you're one of you're you're one of the bosses of this company. You're one of the owners. You're a partner in this company. Please walk people down the how the, how wrong that mindset is. And I mean, it's okay. So you're supporting a friend. You're supporting a person you know. That's one thing. But to justify it because, or to justify going and just only ever buying weed like that because you really think it's safer, please enlighten the public from the perspective of someone who grows, extracts, sells, runs the business, gets it tested, sees the results, etc. I would say, I would say that um, you know, like, say something goes out. Say you have a dehumidifier go out or a light go out. You know, some of these companies, they have enough, they can replace it just like that. You know, some of these other grow, you know, a medical grow, something goes out, a light goes out, you might not be able to afford that till your harvest, you know, or you have an issue, you can't afford getting bugs. You're spraying stuff that you found from the So, what you were saying was they're like supporting your friend, you know, you know, somebody, hey, he does that, and this person's a nice person, and this person's a clean person, but what the hell does that have to do with what they grow and sell? Because that's completely different. And mm -hmm. Like if that's their only source of income and how they're going to pay their bills, if they have a problem, they're not, you know, so they have that crop has to, you know, they have to either get great, get great at what they do and not have problems. Or they got to, you know, deal with, they got to spray and do some shit to make the product sell. Um, and that's where you get the cheap ass packs. That's when they're like, Hey, this cheap weed. Here it is. You know, it's, it's cheap for a reason. You know, um, it, it, it's just funny that they, that people think there's that the, the legal grows are so dirty. The legal grows, like some of the bigger ones, they can buy anything they want. They can buy the best genetics, buy the best lights, they can buy the best, you know, beneficial insects, pesticides. What they can afford anything. So how could that not be someone that can afford to buy anything and treat the product? How would, would that not be better? And they're regulated. I mean, shit. Now, but 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 there are farms out there that shit's regulated there's still a list that we have to go off of and there's sometimes farms don't follow that list sometimes farms will you know use a product a little bit further than they're supposed to because if it says use up to harvest spray up to harvest that doesn't mean spray the shit up to harvest you know they hey if you're in flower 
don't ever fucking spray that shit at all. Like what what the hell is wrong with these people? Like never. I hear some farms like, well, we spray like up to the first two weeks of, of flower. The fuck are you talking about? No, no, like no, that's disgusting. And, and you know, then some people like don't even realize like what neem, uh, you know, any other state, Washington's pretty woke to what neem, you know, or neem seed, neem oil will do, you know, to people to smoke it, inhale it. Yeah. Like any other state, they think that's like the fix all. And I'm just like, man, I wouldn't even want to smoke that stuff. You know, people don't realize that how bad it is when you do smoke some of this stuff. You Absolutely. Know, you know, I couldn't, um, I couldn't agree more. I, I was wondering, it reminded me, Neem, first off. I remember back when I worked at Diego, when we first discovered each other, Fred. <laughs> and, and I was smoking a lot of solstice weed back then. And, and it said Neem was listed on it, right? And I remember having this this raspy collection of just, <sighs> you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And then I'm out here. I start buying. I start going to the sessions, these traditional market sessions, and uh, it's back. It's back. Okay. Like the sprays you're talking about. Okay. And yep. then I start buying all these. I spent two years in the recreational industry here now, right, with buddies and everything. And I don't have that same harshness a lot of the time. But I do on all of the, I feel like, I feel like I do on a lot of the lower end stuff. And because they're, because they're trying to grow to a certain quality standard, right? And they, so they're not growing to the best. They're growing to $30 eighth, $20 eighth, right? But, but yeah, you're right. But they don't, that doesn't mean they have to treat it like that. You know, even though that, you know, they don't have to fucking use the nasty shit. They just need to educate themselves and get better. And that's what I try to tell most gardeners. They get pissed off because I'm like, they're like, I'm like, if you're not trying to get better, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. So let's, Mitch. I, I don't know what I don't know what all questions you have, but I have just based on what he just said there, Fred. Could you talk to me a little bit about the current stuff that you're smoking, the strains? Could you talk to us a little bit about that strains, and then think back and talk to us about the difference between where you're at now and where you guys were at when you started? Um, okay, so right now I'm smoking some tropical runs. Um, it's a, it's actually the first time uh, they ran it. I, I got my sent my sample. That's all I get in five hundred two fucking gram. You know, back in the day, well, I'd have pounds of weed, quarter pounds of weed. People think that I have just tons of weed. No, no, I get a fucking gram per five pounds and to sample to see if it's any good. And then I go buy my shit from the store. It, it's it's ridiculous. Jesus, but that's the shit they make us do. You know, I mean. You know, we we do everything by the damn book. So, so let, I don't mean to cut you off. If you didn't do that, are they coming down on you? Is the fucking DEA swooping in, or what's the deal? Coming down on you, but that's just one thing. I mean, we gotta we keep our shit clean. You know, I mean, I we keep everything you know by the book. So they if they do come in, there's nothing. And at the same time, we sell out of product. So say that I take seven gram samples, and I can sell those seven grams at a fucking store. Like we sell out, you know, weekly. What? I'd rather sell out at the store. I'd rather give it to the customers, man. Get as much. I mean, I want to taste it. I want to make sure it's good and quality control. But man, sell that. Sell that. I, hear, sells, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. So tropical so, runs. So tropical runs. It's uh, from Exotic Genetics. You know, they did a runs release where they released a ton of runs crosses. Um, this one's kind of got a little orange, like um, almost like that Colorado Clementine that we have, kind of that uh, orange flavor, but it's got that runs look. Um, we had three different phenols that we ran. And um, that, um, 
we found this number three right here. And it seems like a keeper so far. I mean, tastes good, you know, smokes good, smells good. I mean, that's one thing, you know, when we pop seeds, we make sure that just just because it has a good name, that doesn't mean that we're going to be keeping it. You know, we got to make sure that it smells good, looks good, tastes good, you know, all three. Because if it doesn't do that, you know, some of them taste good and don't look so good. And I'll keep those around because, you know, we're about we're about flavor, you know. So I, I'd rather have something that just tastes fucking fire. I don't really care what it looks like. You know, if it's got that smell and it tastes like fire, shit, I'm not, I don't care about all that. You know, the purple, we, I mean, it looks great. Bag of peel is amazing. But still, I want I want something that's going to taste good and link that flavor is going to linger in your mouth. You're going to leave. So, do some of those uglier strains does that go into your pre rolls or extraction or something? Shit, I mean, no, we we have this one that's uh, our diesel and our gooey. It's really not the prettiest, but I mean, it's it's pretty, but it's just not as good as like the you know the runs crosses or like the the uh, the cookie crosses or things like that. Um, because people want that look. Right now, people want that like hard nug that like kind of purplish. You know, just like um, just all swollen. Look, they don't like those big ass nuts anymore. You know, they don't. People don't want that. You know, they want that looks just like cookies. Really, you know, that's what they you're, want. You're you guys are really curating a certain kind of menu. You've got cookies cuts. You've got these other genetics. Let, let's talk about your menu and and how you guys built that. How did you get to these strains? How how did you curate and pull from these different seed banks? And if you wouldn't mind, mention those seed banks. Let's show love to these genetics. Uh, these breeders, we got to show love to the breeders. So when we first start 502, they give you a little 15 that they give you a 15 day window to bring your, your strains in. Um, and when we did that, we uh, at the time we brought in, I think we had, I think it was over 50 strains, something like that. When we first started, you know, different strains, and uh, we have like the old school Bubba that uh, my partner paid five thousand dollars for just one cut. We had the Afghan, you know, real deal. He paid twenty five hundred for that. We still got those around. Um, silver tip, anything that was fire here in Spokane, we got it. I mean, I'm talking about pre 502, you know, anything that was around here, Bubba was the number one strain around here. That shit was getting 320 an ounce all day long. So mm. yeah, got it in here, but you bring it in the 502 market and it's not, the, I mean, we still have it and we grow it and it sells out, but it's not like when you got runs or you got like gelato or you got like anything cookies, it's not, not the same. But um, that Bubba, like real smokers, when they see that, they're like, "Yeah, I need that one." Um, so we brought in a lot of we brought in a lot of cuts. But actually, you know, before five hundred two started, I started selling seeds, and I was uh, selling seeds for a company called Alpha Chronic, and it just kind of like everything kind of came together because I had like over fifteen hundred seeds when we came in here. We were just popping tons of seeds. I was doing giveaways. I was promoting seeds, and you know, when you're doing that, you know, it's just like a whole different community. So you got people, you know, trading, doing doing types of certain things. So when we came in, we brought in all these seeds, you know, tons of different. I mean, so much shit. Our, our library was huge, um, still huge, and uh, we just pop, pop, pop. We don't even pop out a hundred, about a hundred every month. You know, hundred every month. People don't realize, you know, some people pop thousands, but a hundred every month, that takes a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of fucking work. You know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of R and D. You know, you got to make sure it's right. Because like I said, just because it's got a good name, Tropical Runs. We'll throw all three of them away if they're no good. I don't care who did it. I don't care what the hell. I don't, you know, it's gone. What we really tried, what I really tried to do was rather than getting like the GMO, rather get getting like the runs, you know, or the cookies, I've always wanted crosses of those, you know. So, so then we're kind of like coming to market with our own. So we're not coming, but, we'll, but shit, we will come to market with the same strain as everybody else because I'll put my, I'll, you know, we'll put, we'll put it up against the Pepsi challenge with any brand. So, um, so, you know, just having different strains, though, 
when it comes time to buy, I feel like the buyers from the stores, they have more of a, uh, you know, they have more options. Because, like, just imagine if we had, like, I'm just making strange, but, like, Blue Dream, you know, Silver Tip and something else. If everybody blew that, you know, it's really not going to sell. But if we got the Blue Dream Cross, like the Pineapple Dream, and then we have, like, the Silver Tip Cross, I mean, shit, people will buy those all day long. So we always just try to keep up new new stuff and just, you know, look at the market. You got to pay attention to the market. You see some of these farms and you see what they're growing and it's like Black Dragon. Who the fuck wants to smoke that? I mean, I'm not buying that. I'm not, I don't want anything to do with that. So why don't you look at what the market is selling yeah. and go after things like that? Be like, oh, I can't sell weed. Well, nobody wants to buy that weed. Like nobody wants to, or like, you know, like, or like they say AK-47. Well, you're not going to get rich on AK-47. Throw that, keep it around or throw that shit away, but get the stuff that sells. You know, you want to sell out every week. And, and that's when we come with, you know, a bunch of different crosses or, or main strains. Because um, we have about, we have about 45 main strains that we could sell out, you know, every, every week. You know, every, every week we had them. But then we have all these new ones we're coming, coming through it. Because there's so much new stuff. I'd say over the last two years, especially with COVID, the seed game has gotten ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's. It's it's almost bigger than the weed game, you know. Some of them breeders are killing it. And, yeah, oh my um, gosh, yeah. Yeah, so so it's really I'd say it's easier. You can make way more money if we use this whole place to to breed and had a place to sell our seeds. We'd make way more money than than you know selling weed. But the thing is, you got to be able to sell those seeds. And uh, some of those breeders they they sell out, and and that's that's great. You know, so we we keep up with uh, you know everything that's going on with the, with the new strains and things like that. Just you know, keep our ear to the street because you have to. You have to see what the competition is doing. You know, you don't have to do exactly what they do, but you got to see what's going on around here. Right. So, what is it on on your guys' main strains? What have what are some of the uh, you know the, the 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 staples you feel like GLW is known for? You guys sell. I mean, you guys are selling out a lot of flour pretty pretty frequently. Say, what are those top ones? Everybody asked for silver tip. We, if we had fifteen pounds a week, twenty pounds a week, we sell out weekly, 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 weekly. But you know, we we keep a menu, a rotating menu. You know, we keep keep a flavors coming through. Um, silver tip, Fruit Loops. People love our Fruit Loops. Um, we got Pink Taco. People love the Pink Taco. Um, what else? We got Pudding, Chef Jessions, Peanut Butter Patties. You know, um, what else? We got so Galactic Glue. Um, what else do we got? I mean, it's it's Colorado Clementine. I mean, flavors after flavors. And one thing about it is we try to have flavors. If you look at a turf wheel, I'm trying to cover the turf wheel. Right. Think taco doesn't smell like anything. Joey, if you can find me a, a weed strain down in California that smells like the pink taco, should I buy you dinner? I say that strain is so unique. I mean, yeah. and the turps on it are like 7% turps. And it's what not are turps. the genetics on that taco again? So what it was was um, the pink taco when I got it by uh, one of the breeders I was dealing with. He sent me a variety pack, and out of the variety pack there was five seeds. One was the pink taco, one was the Fruit Loops, and uh, they're completely different. The Fruit Loops tested thirty-one the first time we ever got tested, and the pink taco got tested twenty-seven the first time we ever got tested. And it, we needed the genet the genetics. He gave me like what he thought it could be. But you know, he really didn't. He's like, man, I just gave you a variety pack. Here it is. And the reason we named it that is because uh, how it grows. It's got that pink tint to it, and then it starts to taco up from the trichome production. And the Fruit Loops, that that shit just smelled like straight Fruit Loops. I mean, it was like because some people are like, oh, it's a blue, it's a blue dream, or they know what the cross is. I said, we don't know what the fuck the cross is. We named it because it smelled just like that. And I remember right. there was, I remember like five hundred two, like right before five hundred two, 
man, people didn't even call people like they didn't give a shit what the name of we was. And then I remember like all of a sudden, what's what do you got? What kind of we got? What is it? What's it called? What's it called? And then all of a sudden, it just got big, like super big. And in the very beginning of five hundred two, everything had a name. But I remember just like two, three years before that, man, nobody just there wasn't no names. I mean, there was like some grand, there was some granddaddy, and there was some like some, maybe some old. Yeah, there was there was maybe I feel like the world maybe knew of like twenty five strains that they could remember. Like all across the country, any person, any moment could think of like five at most. Maybe seven it was, at most. It was, it was. I mean, I remember a time, right, when it was perp, like perps. Anything that was remotely purple or tasted purple was just perps. And like, as far as I knew, perp was a strain of wheat. I mean, it was, God knows how many strains it was, but we just called the shit perps, man. You know what's funny about that? I had a, I pop, I found a seed in, in some granddaddy one time, and I popped it, and I called it the nurple. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I was like, hey, that was it right there. Anything perf, you know, uh, that was it right there. Yeah. I remember those days. But um, yes, stress the weed and get you the fake purple and shit, man. Man, I remember when they used to put the, the blueberry drops, the tasty puffs. You put like a one little drop on each button. That just smells like blueberries now. <laughs> hey, that's what I mean. It definitely came a long ways. But, um, you know, as far as the, the strains that we, we have, you know, um, by having so many strains, it's almost like when the old strains coming back around, it's a brand new strain. You know, it's mm. brand new. But they don't. Uh, people are like shit. I haven't seen that one forever. So it's a good. It's a good thing. But then there's a lot of uh, farms that you know. It's a lot of work. You know, the team. The team does great down there. You know, making sure that all the strains stay in rotation and that everything stays healthy because you know that's a huge. That's a huge part of it right there. Because you know, if somebody wasn't paying attention or if you weren't up on it, you know, you lose a lot of that stuff. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Do you, you, so you've got, you, you're phenol hunting a couple of these runs right now. You're smoking on the tropical runs. What's up? What's on deck? So we got tropical runs. I got three different phenols of that. I got a, uh, I got some GMO fuel, which is a, a GMO crossed with this uh, Royal. Um, what else we got? We got some rainbow runs, which is that rainbow chip crossed with runs. Damn. We got some cookie puss, which is, uh, Cat piss and Girl Scout cookies. Damn. We got some sour pineapple. Hey, this this right, this sour pineapple turkey. I mean, it's, it's fire. Black, it's a black line reserve cross. I got some Colorado Clementine. I got some sour sunset. That's a uh, that sour D cross with sunset sherbet. That I sounds got, fire. I got that original glue, and I got some GMO Skittles. GMO oh. Skittles. I'm not yeah. a big GMO person, but I know the popularity behind it. That is all of that sounds absolutely delicious. Listen, man, that GMO, the right, the right one is amazing. We got a, we got a couple of them coming up that are really nice. Smoke that next, actually. What are you yeah. smoking on? I'm smoking on some orange peel. It's a sativa from Ember Valley out of Reading. And then on deck. I've got some mimosa from Farmer and the Felon. Uh, this company is a Last Prisoner Project partner. Farmer and the Felon. Yep. Hell yeah. They give uh, they give back to uh, they give back to felons, and they work with some really dope, uh, humble farmers that are like pumping out some really solid genetics. Now the the new batch of stuff, like the other weed that I have here, is it's mildly impressive. It's pretty decent. I don't know if we can see. 
me see here. We got some GM. Uh, here we go. It's, oh yeah. I mean, it's so so wow. Yeah, so, that, looks, uh, that looks really good. And then the other one, um, where is it? Oh, and then I, I ate, uh, and then I'm eating some Delta 8 THC, some edibles. Yeah. Yep, some pineapple, uh, some pineapple express gummies. Um, what's the so other I, thing? What, what, what's the dose in California? Well, those are, del those are Delta 8 gummies, but so these are just the typical shit that can be bought, you know, all over the place. Uh, these ones are fucking fire. They're 25 milligrams. I like them because they're super chewy and like the texture is fire. Um, what, what, uh, Mitch, what are you, what are you on over there? I don't see you smoking Man, or dabbing or anything. What's good? I was just smoking. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll smoke on the vape car. I sw swapped in and out. I got like a high, high CBD cart from, uh, from Leafworks is just like a cool, cool little smoker that don't got the t the you know get you high. And then I got a little live resin cart from a SPR. So okay, Listen, he had a CBD bath bomb before this fucking podcast. Okay, so he's really uh, he's I got the <laughs> CBD bomb. You know what I'm saying? I'm dripped in Spindrift and CBD bomb right now. You know? <laughs> hey, nah, you know I'm I'm on the family grind and where I'm recording. You know I'm not, I don't I can't be blowing the blowing the blowing the the flower while my son's right over there in the next room. So you know la later later on, I actually funny funny enough, Joey, I got some Kiralato left that I just found when I was in Cali. So I got some Kirko. Uh, yeah, I'll probably spark that up later tonight. There we go. There we go, man. Shout out, shout out, GLW, man. For everybody here right now, this is the North American Weed Tour podcast, man. This is episode thirteen, lucky number thirteen. We've got Fred Renteria from GLW, aka Growing Like a Weed, uh, representing Spokane, Spokane Valley, East Side area, Spokane, Spokane Mountain. All yep. the different things Spokane representing March Madness unofficially because Spokane hosts March Madness. March Madness. So for those people who don't know, also Spokane also hosts Hoop Fest, which is the biggest outdoor basketball tournament in the world. I've also been to uh, one of the biggest outdoor volleyball tournaments in the world in Spokane as well. Nice, nice, nice. You coming, hey Mitch? You coming up here for Hoop Fest? Nah, nah, I'm gonna be up there real quick. Uh, getting fitted for TS's wedding here. So I'm gonna be up there just for like the night in a couple in like a week or two, though. No, shit, we have to get lunch if you got time or something. I'll get a bite to eat or something. Yeah, no doubt, man. Get you some samples so you can, you can smoke. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'll, de I'll definitely hit you. I'll, I'll hit you up. I'll, I'll text you about that. But speaking of Spokane, man, what is the importance you feel like of Spokane to the Washington cannabis scene? Because, you know, for a lot of us that, that are, live over here on the west side, you know, this is definitely the mecca of culture and stuff. But when you go to Spokane, y'all got a lot of grows out there and a lot of grows that really put fire out all over the state. And I think a lot of people don't understand that, man. What's what's the importance of the Spokane area? I mean, I think that Spokane, one thing is it's a, it's cheaper to live over here, you know? So obviously we're trying to produce a product for, you know, as cheap as possible. So, you know, it'd be great to have a farm in Seattle, but you're going to pay. So now you got to pay. Now, now the customer's got to pay too. Now that eight is dollars or, you know, and, and being able to live over here for less expensive, being able to produce a product for less expensive, really, you know, the delivery services they've set up in, in, in um, you know, Washington are great. So, you know, you can use those or you can have your own. But um, I think just being able to produce the product over here for for so cheap is 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 key. And at the same time, I feel like people have kind of slept on us 
you know, because it's so thin. But she's just been indoor fire here forever, for a long time, long time. You know, indoor basement grows. That's like this. We're one of the, you know, one of the places because we have these cold winters. So there's a lot of people that are used to that, used to, you know, it, you know, growing products in the basement, you know, growing weed in the basement. And that's where that fire comes from. You know, obviously it's turned into warehouses and, you know, people are doing that. And uh, it's evolved into warehouses and things like that. But, you know, it started in that basement, you know, basement grow. You know, you weren't trying to do over a thousand dollars you know, electric bill or they were coming to knock on your fucking door. So. <laughs> yeah. I fuck, I fuck with that. Could you, could you possibly take us back a little bit further into that history? And, and what were those strains back then, man? What are those basement grow strains? Um, okay. So, I mean, the Bubba has been around for forever, you know, and forever, you know, different, different people saying they had OG, um, you know, this OG or this OG. And it's like, you know, there was only like one, one or two. And um, then um, White Widow. I think what's funny about White Widow is like the CBD strain. People are like, used to smoke it so long ago. I love White Widow. That shit didn't get you high. It's like smoking C. I mean, yeah, it's going to get you high, but not high. Like, you know, like mm. speaking um, THC. So it's funny when people say, oh, I love White Widow. Like, hey, <laughs> that one really wasn't, you know, that's probably why I didn't like it. Blue Dream. You know, I remember when Blue Dream was like, was it. You know, blue drink, right. Cinex, oh shit, everybody had that Cinex because they can make it look good. You could not even know what you were doing to make it look good. And, um, you know, things like um, the U-Dub, the U-Dub Perp, shit was amazing. We actually had it, but it only tested at 14%. So the at the 502 market at that time, nobody buy it. Right. So, But if we had it today, shit, it would sell all day long. Um, and I whatever. remember smoking some U-Dub Perp back in the day. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else was um, you know, like I said, like the that's when that's like, you know, like the, that granddaddy. Was so anything purple, like you would say, anything purple. Um, shit, that's about it. There wasn't really too many strains. I mean, I most of most of the strains that people had, they didn't know the name of it. It was just weed. It's like just here's some skunk skunk bud, you know, or like you know. <laughs> Or this <laughs> yeah, there wasn't too many options, and then I, it's, I mean, I'm where the market's at and where we're at because we're able to have so many different strains, so many different options, you know, so many different terpenes, and now we're able to, you know, all these different terpenes, you know, obviously do something different to everyone. Hell yeah! So, what's, what's the importance of being a grower and like? sharing genetics and sharing information and then what are what are some of the you know the restrictions around the kind of kind of the code around that uh well i mean we okay so we've sold a cut to another farm before you know um thousand dollars for you know straight and some people give them away some people trade them 15 25 dollars but you know if, if i've had it for years and kept it in our library or if we've you know pheno hunted for it and we're not giving it away. There's no way we're why we give them too much to be there. You know, some uh, a farm offers us five thousand for the pink taco to charge it down. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, nah, I mean, not right now. No, we're, <laughs> we're not selling it right now. So um uh really, you know, sometimes give it away and that's fine. And that, and that's you know, I i we sold some cuts, you know, strains that we're really not gonna keep. You know, we'll sell them to get rid of them. But uh if if it's in our arsenal, there's no way that it, we're selling it. It's staying here. I'd kill people because because we don't need to. Have, you know, we put in too much work for it. 
So, so let me ask this. Here's a scenario. California has has uh, the, the ability where you can buy clones. So cannabis legalizes nationally. California's rules are all of a sudden everyone's rules everywhere, whether they're enforced or not. Delivery launches. You have the ability to sell clones. Pink tacos available. Are you selling $150 pink taco clones the same way that you can buy $150 Cushman's? Yeah, at that time, if that happened, you know, we might be we might be looking at you know selling it. You know, it might when the when the market evolves, you know, changes. Shit. Yeah. You know, if that's what's going on, we're, and we're selling clones now, making money off clones, we can bring in you know ten, twenty thousand dollars a month off clones. Hell yeah! But I mean, right now, you know, we're not bringing in no money like that. There's not even a, yeah. you know, we get people to you know hit us up for clones, but nothing like that. It's just really interesting because when I first, you know, obviously I was in the market up there with you guys for so long. And then now you come down here and it's like, yeah, you know, you can grow weed at home here. So people build, you know, companies build their brand strength and continue building brand loyalty by selling their strains. You know, brands like that. Uh, Green yeah. Dragon. Up here, for sure. It's crazy. Because <laughs> you, you can go to Oregon, you can get different strains. Go to California, you can buy different cuts and strains, and then you come up to Washington. It's like no, 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 no. I mean, there's some people who give it away, but at the same time, at the same time, you got to be careful when you get strains because fuck, if you don't know what you're doing, man, they're passing all types of shit onto you. They're passing bugs, they're passing fucking mold, and that's just gonna spread through your shit. And why would you even want to do that? Why not pop seeds? You ain't got to worry mm -hmm. about none of that. That's why we pop seeds. Like I don't want clones. I mean, I've gotten clones. And, you know, we put them through a quarantine stage and everything like that. But that's still work. You know, you pop seeds, you know, you're starting fresh, clean, you know, every time. So we pop a lot of seed and then take clones. I see. So that way you yeah. find, you just phenol hunt, phenol hunt a bit based on, like, the strengths of the plant or even the end result if you grow them all the way out? Yeah. I mean, we'll phenol hunt. We'll make a determination. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, some paperwork that I'll fill out to, you know, what what I liked about these samples, you know, and uh, we'll go from there. We'll run them probably one more time, and then um, after that, you know, we'll uh, we'll we'll narrow it down to one or two. I mean, hopefully, we keep them all, but you know, it's not like that because we definitely it's it's a high standard. So, what what percentage of your guys' square footage are you using just to pheno hunt? Fuck. As little as possible, <laughs> because you know, hey, we're out here trying to, you know, we're out here trying to produce flour at the same time. So when we're pheno hunting, I mean, um, it's a uh, once we once we sex the plant, once we find out if it's a male or female, after we do that, we'll we'll put enough of that that pheno or enough of that plant in the room. So even if it does produce, it's going to produce enough product to make money off of. You know, mm. I mean, if it's not to our standard, we can wholesale it. You know, uh, roll joints out of it. You know, um, or um, uh, you know, if it is to our standard, we we'll sell it in our packaging. But um, I would say we try to do like ten percent of each room we fill. Mm. I mean, not that much, but you know, we we uh, you know we we have a lot that we're going through, so that's why it takes so long. We used to dedicate one room to it, but we uh, we you know we sell out, so we need to produce as much flour as possible now. Got to make that money. Got to make that money when the demand's there. You got to fill it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I want to talk about that. You know, one of the biggest challenges of Washington, the way the license structure was set up and, you know, the the fixed number of grow licenses. Um, 
how difficult has it been to scale, even experiencing success, but, you know, trying to scale to get even more success? Like, like how difficult is that? And what are some of the factors that contribute to that? And it's just tough. It's tough because you got you have a market that's changing every day. You have people that are dropping their price. You know, you have, you know, relationships that you build with stores and then all of a sudden somebody quits or somebody gets fired. Now you're just in the dark, you know, and now you can't sell no product. He's like, hold on, this is my best store. Like, what's going on? Like, you know, so shit changes all the time. And, um, you know, we came in really not, we knew how to grow weed and like sell it to, you know, sell weed like to our friend. I mean, we always sold weed, but nothing on like a scale like this, you know, a bigger, a bigger scale. But um, I think one thing that helped us out was just being real and just, you know, being what like, you know, a lot of people want out of their product. You know, that's what, the, you know, it's a product that we smoke, so they want to smoke it as well. Um, I think a lot of people really like, they didn't have a clue of what, it, I mean, they, they seen it on TV or whatever, but they didn't know, they didn't live the life. They didn't know what the fuck the marijuana industry really was because there was an industry way before 502, before this legalization. So it was kind of, I'm not going to say easy because it's not, none of this shit is easy, not easy at all. But it was just, um, we just, a lot of the problems that we, that we were run into, we've already ran into it before. You know, the, um, you know, the one thing that, that, that was to, to our advantage, you know, so a lot of these places would have problems or issues and they wouldn't know what to do. You know, they have, you know, we know how to, we know how to make money. I mean, shit, that's, that's about, you got to make money, you know, no matter what, you still got to make money. So we know how to do that and bring in the product. You got to, you got, you got to pay the bills. You got to, you know, sell the product and pay the bills. And some people hold on to the product like it's gold. It's not gold. It's going to lose value the older it gets. So you got to sell it as fast as possible. And um, there's really, it only has a sh- short window. And if you can sell it within that window, you're good. But you'll never see our product, you know, a, a year old flower, a year old sell, sitting on a, I mean, if that's the case, we got a huge problem. You know, something's right. going on at the store, yeah. but we don't, we would never package up anything. Like the stuff that we package, that stuff is 30 days, you know, 30 days after it's been harvested. Because I mean, we, we're selling out, we're selling out. So that's a good place to be. And some places, some people aren't there. But that's what they need to get to because by doing that, they'll hold on to this. I hear about farms trying to sell stuff that's a year old. You got to dump that. You got to, you know, obviously you can't destroy it, but you should have never been in a position that it was a year old. You got to make a move way for that. Um, So I think a lot of farms messed up by like trying to like think that everything was great. Everything was amazing. And then trying to get top dollar out of everything. Everything's not always great. You know, you got to have different avenues. And um, and be able to keep pushing it. You can't. That's one thing about selling this weed. Like if you're a bud tender and you recommend something, and that customer comes in, buys it, smokes it, doesn't like it, they're not buying that brand again. They don't give a. Sh- they're like fuck that brand. So it's like you only really got one chance to get a customer. So that's why we have so much quality control. And you know, we if we, we find if we find a seed in the product, you know, later on down the road after it's been sent out, or like say, because so, we we're more organic. You know, more we can't call it organic, but it's more organic, as close to organic as you can be. And uh, just like at the store, just like at the store, the organic shit goes bad faster. You know, synthetic shit will sit there on the shelf forever. You know, and that's the same thing with weed. So, you know, buying an organic product, you know, it's it's good for, you know, uh, that fresh that fresh time is when you're getting the best product. A lot of people don't know that. You know, so uh, organic product, look at it. After at a year, it's going to not look good. But it's mm-hmm. a, it was a way better product to begin with. In your in your opinion, you harvest the plant. You've got sativas. You've got indicas. You know your strains. You know your lineup. As soon as you chop it down, walk us through that path, that process of getting quality bud dried, or I'm sorry, yeah, 
uh, dry, hang dried, cured, trimmed, packaged into the store. Walk us through a little bit of that process, as much as you're willing to share for y'all. Well, then we go through and we'll uh, we'll take we'll hang the whole product, hang the whole plant upside down for uh, 14 days, and most places couldn't get 10, and um, you know some places do it in seven or eight. So 14 days is key. You get 14 days, you're you're on your way. You're you're on your way to a good start. You know, after that, <clears throat> they'll come through. They'll take it, the big fan leaves off, keep the buds on the stem, let it drop all the moisture from you know from uh from this in the stem. It's all hands on after that. It's somebody checking it all the time, making sure it's ready. You know, we're gonna after we defan it, we're gonna trim it about seven to ten days after that. So there's somebody the bags. There's somebody making sure it's not getting too dry. You know, just keeping our keeping our eyes on it. And um, if it does get to a point where we have to trim it early, then we'll we'll make that adjustment. But uh, so at this point, we're looking at like 21 days, or you know, even uh, 24 days. Okay. And then they'll fine trim it. Then after that, we'll let it we'll let it cure. We're burping the bags. Um, we're hands on. It's in a room that's a it's in a room that's at a certain uh, temperature, certain humidity the whole time. Uh, then we'll send it down to processing. Processing is our facility in town. They'll package it up for sale. And it's on. It's gone. Um, so we're looking at like about thirty, anywhere from thirty to shit, like you know, forty days. You know, until yeah. it's sold. Yeah, and that's that's every harvest with you guys. That yeah. You know, if there's a strain, we have like sometimes we might produce a little bit more. Let's just say like it's instead of instead of um instead of fifteen pounds, it's thirty pounds. It might be there for fifty days. You know, so just because it's a little bit more. But yeah, yeah. yeah. It's moving. Um, and that's where you want to be. I mean, that's where you want to be. You don't want to be sitting on that shit for six months and then selling it. Like, who wants that? No, no one. Now, I know a few years ago, uh, you said not this year, but you said, a, you know, a few years ago, you got into extracts. So you guys, you guys grow some great flour. The brand starts becoming well known. The industry starts taking off. Spokane's market starts booming. You guys start doing some collaborations. Walk us through your thought process of getting into extracts and then also now exiting extracts. Well, I, mean, I think that it, it's huge. It's, it's huge because it's who's running your material. First of all, the extract game is fucking as cutthroat as it gets. They, I mean, they run, hey, they run shit. They tell you what, hey, it's like, they, hey, they're the Debo of the weekend. You know, that's, that's any, any extraction. I don't give a shit who it is. Go look at the parking lot. Go look at the parking lot extraction lab and the parking lot of the farm. They're completely different. You know, <laughs> they're completely fucking different. So that being said, it's a trust game. It's a trust where I send you material and I trust you to tell me what you get back. That can be any number that you give me. There's, it's not like I send somebody out there and they sit there with the product and, and it's the real number. Hell no. So you're trusting somebody. So you're already getting screwed because you obviously know in the week game you don't trust nobody. So that's just how it is i mean but but what you do is you build a relationship with someone and uh you, you know you, so hopefully it's a better brand where you can get top dollar out of the product and if you can do that then you can sell it and you can actually make some money but you're not making a dime selling product after you've made a split with somebody <laughs> not the cheap product it's you need your own extraction lab you need your own shit you need all of it you need every every gram to come back so you can and sell that's it. A, and that's a whole series of things. That's a whole process, plan, team, a couple people, An extractor. Uh, licensing, safety precautions, um, fire that's codes. 
anywhere from 250 to a million and a half. How much do you want to spend on your room? You know, so that's where you want to be because that's where you get all of your money back. And look at the farms. Look at the farms that have their own processing. They're doing great. They're doing great. You know, um, and, and that's just that's just part of the game. I don't care what state you're at. I don't care who you are. That's just part of the game. Yeah. No matter. We, so, they're not the extracts are not going anywhere, man. They're if anything, they're improving more. There's so many different kinds of products that are able to be strain specific now. There's so many different types of rosins and resin products. It's a very exciting time to be in the weed game, infusing infusing things. No, it, it, it's huge. There's um, I mean, like I said, we we deal with refined, we deal with sub X. They're two of the, best. you know, as far as when it comes to BHO. Two of the best in the game. Their product is the consistency is amazing. Um, we get top dollar for it. So those are two people that that I'd want to deal with. Um, the next, you know, the next step is going to be the hash rosin. You see that the, the market moving in the hash rosin. The problem with that is not every strain produces good hash rosin. Mm. You know, yep. not every strain tastes good. There's only a few. So um, you know, just finding out what strains those are, or um, is is a process on its own, and then having the right person do it. And there's really not a shelf life. I mean, the shelf life on rosin is super short. So it really only tastes good for a little bit. Right. And uh, it'll lose some of its flavor. So the BHO lasts a little longer. I love rosin. I'm very excited to try your guys' rosin down the road. It's very exciting. Okay. One, hey, one of your good friends, hey, he makes a pretty good rosin. <laughs> what, uh, what's, uh, what's his Instagram? Skill, Skrillmo? Skill, screw Yeah, that, that shit is fine. Man, big shout out to Big Skrillmo, man. Getting the shout out in the building and the big respect from, man, motherfucking Fred, man. Let's go. He does his thing. So, um, but that, that's kind of where the market's moving as far as that. And you see like 60 to $80 a gram. And uh, I see a lot of people moving that way. <laughs> if you couldn't sell flour, I mean, and, and that's your avenue, do it. But it's really not our avenue, you know, like that, that, that doesn't really fit with, with what we're doing. You know, maybe in a couple of years or something, maybe when the, the outdoor, we got greenhouse and things like that, we could probably move to that. But like right now, it just wouldn't work for us. Mm. So here, here in California, we see rosin vapes, we see rosin capsules, rosin edibles. We see regular rosin in expensive stuff all the way down to like, the 45 a gram plus tax here, this, you know, 65, 60 to 70 or whatever. Um, sometimes you get it down in that 40 to 50 range rarely. Right. But that's, you know, that's kind of the, the, the floor on out here. Um, as a, you are a consumer, right? You, I'm sure you primarily only smoke GLW. Uh, do you ever try other products that are in the market? Yeah. Shit. Uh, as far as the rosin, you know, legendary labs, you know, out here, I, I you know, bought some of their rosin. It's fucking, really good um was it pacific northwest roots you know some of theirs you know some of their stuff kush family they're, yep. they're crushing um you know there's there's some farms that out here you know it's all you know who i you know some people that i know personally and i know what they do so you know i can tr i can trust that product you know and, and it tastes good so I'll, I'll support that you know they got a good product um but <clears throat> as far as you know there there's a lot of times you know spending that much money i don't want to experiment I don't want to spend 60 bucks and hope it's good off a right. butt tender recommendation. No, 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 no. Butt tender's recommendation barely paying out. I mean, that's just my experience. Barely. Yeah. yeah and and the, the thing is, and it's not, you know, a lot of people, I don't know 
you know, again, shout out, shout out to everybody here watching the North American We Tour podcast here with Fred today. Um, we we don't want to shit on butt tenders. It's just that you got to understand as a customer, a butt tender gets paid a certain kind of wage, generally speaking. It's a retail staff wage. And that means that they cannot regularly afford every product all the time. It's not realistic. So, and then to take that step further, Fred already mentioned how difficult it is for him to get more amounts of product, right? And in terms of samples. So, bud tenders are li only limited certain allotments, correct? Yeah. yeah. You, I know you know the numbers, right? Hey, some stores will decline samples because they have too many samples coming from all farms. So you want, hey, I want to give samples out. I want to educate you. I want to, you know, but they're, hey, we're at our limit for the month. Yeah. Well, what can I do? You know, so, so, you know, it's just things that we have to work around and you, you know, you're right. The thing is there's, there's some, I've, and I've experienced it, you know, like I had a bud tender one time and she said, well, I said, what do you recommend? She said, oh, this one, because it's purple, like my hair. And I'm like, the fuck, you know, it's like, come on, you gotta be more educated than that. You know, you gotta at least know something, you know, um, or just say, Hey, I've never tried this. You know, I mean, be honest. That's because that, that's all they want. That's all they want. They don't want you to say, "Hey, this is fire." You go home, it sucks, and come back and be like, "I've seen it." I've I've been in a store when the guy was like, "No, I don't want her." She recommended something that was garbage last time, and I mean, that's just the, because when people are spending money now, when people are spending money, their own money on weed, they get picky. Like, oh yeah. As a customer, we have every right to be picky too, man. You know, you guys, you guys have uh, all kinds of flavors, man. I remember. I remember going to uh, going to one of the cinder stores, one of the little cinder pop-ups back in the day, probably the last time I see seen it in person, and 22 items were on a list available that day. 22 flavors? Are you serious? And that's where you say they all sell out? I cannot tell you how many times I've gone into stores, and they probably started with you know, 12, 20, 22 flavors. And a lot of them were already sold out and they're crossed off on a list. It happens time and time again. And to me, that's one of the things that most attracted me early on to GLW is I remember, I remember, uh, you know, obviously the pink taco, and then we got to smoke through a lot of the other strains. I remember the launch of the peanut butter patties. It's been a very, very exciting ride. Uh, and to see your guys' growth, to be a part of some of the R and D and do some events. Um, I don't know if events and things are happening up there in the Pacific Northwest, but uh, I do know that there was this video posted today that did take me back to Hempfest. You know, typically this is Hempfest weekend. Yeah, listen, I love Hempfest. It's amazing. I mean, it's it, you know what? Hempfest was so much better before 502, and really it should have been better after that because – they should have let all the farms. They should let all the farms. I mean, fuck, this is our industry. Let us come out and promote. We're not getting, we're not killing hip fest. All we're gonna do is add to it. If they could have 50, 60 farms out there promoting it, man, that'd be the best. If, there wouldn't be a better event. Yeah. But they don't want it. They didn't want anything like that. It's hard. It's hard because Hempfest needs the amount of people and the donations that trickle in from that quantity of people. Yeah. Um there's just somehow some kind of correlation between a hundred plus thousand people where that event just somehow survives every year to year. And then restricting it to be a 21 plus environment to make it a legally compliant event, right. Would just significantly inhibit it is how people probably feel. And so, 
I think this is where maybe we could put together, uh, maybe we put together some kind of list of like, we try to get to like 100,000 people that would participate in a 21 plus Hempfest. <laughs> It'd be lit. It'd be lit. <laughs> There's that many people out there that are smoking, and that many people are no longer traveling to the Pacific Northwest year after year right now, whether it's COVID or not. Like, people yeah. are smoking everywhere. And I'm not encouraging that many people need to gather right now. Don't let's not let the internet jump my shit. But when all this stuff figures itself out and we figure out how to get events back going, Hempfest is gonna be fun. So big shout out to them, big shout out to Hoopfest. Fred, what give us a review on what you just smoked? Talk to us about the turps. What did you taste? So is that GMO fuel? GMO fuel. It's got that that fuel. It's like it doesn't have really that GMO funk, but it's got that more fuely, you know, flavor, kind of gassy. And I mean, shit, it's a sativa hybrid. Uh, and that shit hit me like indica. I mean, it might have been the first joint, <laughs> but it was a it was a big one. It was probably. Yeah, it was a, it was at least a full gram, probably a gram mm -hmm. point five. <laughs> it was like, I yeah. know it was. It was a good joint, and um, I mean, shit. If you like, if you like GMO, it's definitely you know uh, has that high, but it, it didn't really have that that like that GMO funk. You know, G true GMO lovers, they know what that is. They they know that what that funk, but it did have that gassy flavor, so that's always good. So I I got a I got a question. That I want to take it back just a second ago with just the the talk about you know bud tenders and products out there. What can consumers like? What can consumers do to trust what they're they're buying that it's good that it that it's clean? Is there indications out there that you feel like consumers can make educated choices on on, on buying good product? I mean, I I think like really you know obviously you know find a but if you can find a butt tender that you trust and they're you know they, they have an honest opinion you should stick with them. You know they're they I'm not saying that there's some stores that that they have butt tenders that they smoke the best shit in there. You know they, they definitely you just got to find them. Um, and then as far as like sticking with the same brand, you know, but um, but, you know, brands, brands rebrand and change and, you know, th things like that. And that's one thing that we've never done is we don't we don't change our, our recipe. You know, when you come to buy GLW, we want you to have the same product every time. And, you know, some farms might get some different nutrients or switch it up and not tell the consumer. You know, that's kind of messed up, but they don't let people know that. But if you can find a brand you trust, stick with them, you know, stick with them because they usually can, you know, put put out different, you know, different strains that are good. You know, or if you find a, a certain strain from a certain brand and that's what they do great, just stick with them. And uh, if they change, you know, it's it, and consistency is, is key, but it's tough. It's tough. It's especially that's the one thing is consistent in a in a big market like this is cost money. That's what it is. Cost money. So mm -hmm. what you say, Joey? So I this this is so this is so crazy to me because you were talking earlier. Consistency is so key, right? You've got this microclimate in Spokane. You were talking about basement grows, this cold weather. Mitch, you grew up in eastern Washington. It's hot as shit, and it's cold as shit. And then you're talking about growing cannabis, and cannabis comes consistency comes from removing a lot of these changing variables, right? And so these are things that you taught me, Fred, back in the day when you really walked us through it step by step in our early days, in my days as a butt tender early on. So for the people, consistency comes from creating a perfect microclimate or as perfect as possible for each of the strains, right? Uh, you really yeah. have to crack a code for those strains that you're growing, right? Well, yeah, but what we try to do is there's some, some strains that are super finicky. 
and mm-hmm. we, we if we have some strains that are finicky and they kind of act the same way, we'll keep them together. But we try to like if we have some strains like that, we really don't keep them around too much. We keep the strains that are happy with what we do, and uh, that way we really don't have to cater them too too much. Because at the same time, we are trying to you know produce as much product as possible and a health and a healthy product. And and most I would say ninety five percent of the strains we run love exactly what we do. And then you have a couple that are want a little bit more of this and they want a little bit less of that. So, um, you know, to throw a little bit like, uh, you know, to throw 30, 40 plants in a room like that, it's really not worth it for us. You know, so if we yeah. have a room, the whole room, we'll do that. But but you really want the ideal, you know, temp. You want the ideal, you know, climate. You know, if it feels good to you, this is a good, you know, golden rule. I mean, just a rule of thumb. If it feels good to you, they love it. If it doesn't feel good to you, they fucking hate it. You know, so if it's muggy, if it's too hot, if it's too cold, not enough, you know, not enough airflow. Shit, they don't. They're not happy. Hmm. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good rule of thumb for a lot of people. I feel like you know, here in California, you get to grow outside. In Washington, you got a limited outside season for things like that. Uh, and then obviously, creating indoor situations is 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 really where Washington, you know, Seattle, Oregon, or uh, Seattle, Bellingham, Tacoma, Olympia, all you know, Vancouver, all these different, all these different regions in that state. You know, they all kind of specialize in certain strains and certain things. They all have certain flavors that they like. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely it is. Do you have a terpene pro- profile or, you know, obviously, you know, strains and cultivars, they typically have a, a terpenoid profile, so multiple, right? Do you have one, two, or three that you really like or a combination of, the, of a few that you really enjoy? I mean, I like, you know, as far as I've always liked just get anything that has that gassy, that gassy flavor, you know, um, stuff that has kind of a fruity, fruity, gassy flavor. That That's it. You know, that's really what I like. You know, yeah. uh, some people, some people like some, uh, you know, like um, things, you know, more lemon, you know, more lemon, more citrus. You know that I really don't like that. You know, that's not I mean, I'll smoke it, but it's really not what I'm going to what I'm going to continuously buy, you know, over and over again. But yeah, I like, absolutely. Just gas, like if it's gas, like smells like this smells like gas. That's I'm trying to smoke that. So, and, do you uh, prefer yeah. more? Do you prefer more earthy, spicy gas, like the pink taco, in on some aspects, or do you prefer more um, fruity, fruity, purpley gas, the gelatos, the GDPs? Do you prefer more the OG piney gas, uh, or the gelato straight up, just like? Cookie the gelato, gas. Cookie that gelato. yeah, that's what I like. That gelato gas. I mean, it, it tastes good, smells good. I mean, that's that's and it does the trick. You know, it does that. That usually that terpene. When I find that terpene, it does exactly what I'm trying to do. So, right. and that's what you need to do is just find the terpene that you that is for you. You know, I think that's what some a lot of people don't realize. You know, that each terpene is different and affects you different. And once you find what you like, it's just like going, when you go to the liquor store. You know, people aren't buying Everclear. You know, they're buying like you know. Any, they're buying Grey Goose, they're buying, you know, some stuff like that. So it's what you like. And once you find that flavor, you can trust that brand. Just like with alcohol, you can trust that brand, you know, it's like shit, I'm, I'm their consistency. I want that. You know, so, um, some places you buy it and it's like, hey, that was that's not the same. That's different. You know, that's different than the last time. So um, it's just find, finding that terpene is, is you know, the right one that affects you to some people like, hey, I, I don't want to get paranoid or I don't want, you know, I don't want to get you know anxious. Well, you just need to find what the right one that works for you. Yeah, I feel like citrus strains definitely are known to make people anxious in combination with higher THC. I feel like that's pretty, you know, common knowledge in that aspect for sure. 
Could you could you share us uh, a little bit about your first time smoking weed? For you particularly, I'm interested in hearing about this. <laughs> it was it was with my with my buddy Jose, rest in peace, uh, Jose. Um, we were at his mom's house. He used to steal weed from his dad, his stepdad, and uh, I remember he uh, had a bowl that we smoked out of like a I think it was like a bone pipe. It was like, it was like an old school bone pipe, and we smoked out of it. And uh, shit was hot as hell, burning the shit out of your lip. And uh, I started throwing up in his mom's, like she had this big tree in her, in the living room. I started throwing up everywhere, you know, in the, in the tree and just like everywhere in the pot, everywhere. And then I just remember we didn't clean that shit up. We just left. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the first time. <laughs> I'm never that's, letting you smoke in my living room, bro. Never. That's gross, man. I, but I, I, but karma's a bitch because I remember one time my buddy brought over this guy I didn't know. And, uh, he smoked. He smoked with us, right? And he went. He went into my uh, kitchen and threw up. Like he filled up the whole fucking sink with throw up. Hey, and this is like before cell phones, right? So I'm trying to call this. I'm trying to page him. I'm like, man, get this motherfucker back here. Like you guys got to come clean this shit up. <laughs> that is but, yeah. so gross. That's hilarious. Is- yeah. I re- I recently smoked uh, two joints with someone. I won't name them, but I recently smoked two joints with someone, and they were. They were doing the nodding off and so high, the eyes were almost rolling back. It was crazy. And here I am just like, man, what's going on over here, you know? Like, but one of the joints was infused and it was infused, it was infused with CBD live resin. So when you think when you think about it, CBD, CBD strains that are heavier in CBD, right? Cannabinoid content, it's sleepier weed. It's heavier. OGs. Uh, OG Kushes and other heavier strains are known to have cannabinoid profile, and they're typically have a have a, a little couple percentage points of CBD in it, and that's what makes them heavy uh, to some aspect, and um, or help you sleep a little bit. And so that this these particular uh, strains was a gelato and a uh, mint something mint cross a form cookies mint cross and. Uh, had both of us lit, but he, I, you, you know, when people, when they're so high, I remember being like this in college back when I was first smoking with Mitch, like not, it's nodding off and that's all one thing, but like you try to talk to people and you just trail off and you're like, uh, 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 like, like your head, you were thinking, and then you just talk what was in your head and you were just, someone like looked at you and like, what did you say? And you're like, you heard me, you heard that. <laughs> This guy was fucking high. This weed, the weed these days, when people really say the weed these days is fucking high, like potent as shit, that's, it's true. We got to really give credit to the growers, to, to gentlemen like you, your teams, for really cultivating cannabis at such a high level to the point where it is, where it does sell out in 40, 50 days. We really got to give more credit to the people who 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 you work with on extracting things. It, it's, it's an absolute blessing to be able to consume your cannabis, my friend. I appreciate what you do. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, should I, I mean, yeah, it's definitely, you know, as far as, I mean, none of this would be possible without the team. You know, we got a great team. I mean, it's a lot of hard work. They, they bust their ass every day. So, um, you know, you know I, I don't do it. I don't do it all. They, they, it's definitely don't, you know, so, um, you know, it's definitely key to have a great team and, you know, communication and just, that's, that's how we get that product. Hell yeah. Oh yeah! Shout out the GLW team, man. Where where can people find you guys at? 
Um, so as far as Spokane, you can find us shit everywhere. No, I mean, Spokane, I would say where well, there's only like three or four stores or we're not at, um, you know, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what that, that's, that's on them, but, um, every sender, um, <laughs> so you got senders, you got the apexes, you got, um, you got palms, you got the, uh, green hand, you got who else? Lucky leap, um, baggers, you, you know, everybody. The baggers, the big dog. Let's go. Those ones all have great customer experiences. I've been in every single one of those places except for one. I can confirm that every one of those places delivers good service, man. Oh yeah, they crush it. They crush it. So as far as over on the other side of the state, we got Evergreen Market. We're in all of those. You know, they they crush it. Crush. Um, clear, uh, clear choice. You know, clear choice crushes it. You know, they just love it over there. Um, what else? We're in some bud huts. We're in, uh, you know, we're getting some new stores out there. Um, you know, we're we're in about sixty different stores, but it's not my territory over there. You know, I, I mean, I, I'll go by and you know say hi, but you know, I, I'm out here. This is my territory out here. So, but definitely, if you, if you go to a store, ask for us. If they don't got us, they need to get us. You know, for sure. Man, everybody watching this, man, make sure you guys go around Washington State. Go request GLW. Show some love. Go in the store. Tell them you heard about them on Respect My Regions podcast, man. It's the North American Weed Tour. We created this tour to help showcase local growers. You guys are a craft. You guys are local. You guys started from the ground up. You guys have been doing this. You've been pheno hunting. You smoke the weed yourself. You have all those grams right there of like 20 different strains. You got to smoke through to help your business survive. That is how it's done, people. You got to do it. It's every step. It's every step and grind point of the way. Fred, thank you so much for being on the show, brother. So I, I really much appreciate it. Uh, it's, Thanks, been, it's, it's been a real honor to learn and to work with you over the years. I think everybody watching, you guys need to go tap in with GLW. Uh, search for GLW or uh, for any hashtag, search for Growing Like a Weed. Uh, you can find them on Facebook. You can Google them. They are all over the place. Black market extracts. That's our extraction. So if you look for our extraction, black market extract, and it's got the blue lid, refined, refined rennet. So a lot of people don't know that, you know. So, but if it's got that blue lid, that's refined. The sub X stuff has a has the sub X sticker on it. But uh, black market extract, and that's all our flower. <clears throat> so definitely check it out, and you can catch our stuff in and refines packaging as well. You know, uh, so if you're out in Seattle and you see refined, look for that GLW because they're they're putting out fire you know they had that fire all the stuff they got that loud so there we go smoking that loud fred from gow thank you so much for being on we very much appreciate you. we'll have to visit you make sure you guys and mitch uh you definitely guys got to connect mitch go go pheno hunt with him on some of these runs crosses um I'm yeah there. man it was a it was a it was a blessing thank you so much all right man appreciate it man you guys have a good night all, all right brother dude. peace all righty, Mitch. So Fred, GLW, a legend in the weed game out there because Flavor, I think we're going to rename him Flavor Fred on my phone. Flavor Fred, that's not a bad name. I, you know, I really appreciate it. a lot of the stuff he talked about today is stuff that we've learned from him. And like you said it earlier, you know, his, his transparency and honesty of being someone that grew pre-legalization within the medical market and within the rec market and talking about the the things that he had to learn and the challenges he overcame that a lot of people did that people want to act like they didn't you know like even in terms of people used to spray weed before they knew it, it wasn't good and just the learning of that information you know he, he's done a great job of just helping 
explain complex topics of growing into ways that I feel like are really easy to understand and for good and for bad. And so I know we've learned a lot, lot from the homie over the years and, and always super appreciative of the game he gives on just growing and, and the evolution of legal cannabis, man. If people have any questions, if you need consulting, if you need help, definitely feel free to reach out to us. We will put you in contact. Fred is definitely a person you can count on for good guidance, but be sure to come prepared because it is expert level. Him, his team, all of the people that make GLW look good, make them sell out at their stores, all of the little processes and the big processes that they do is proof and testament to uh, really what it takes to not only survive in legal cannabis, but also thrive in a big way. The partners that they that he mentioned earlier, those are all very successful retailers. It takes a lot to work at that level between the vendor days, between the educational trainings, uh, the CRMs and the follow-ups and the communications and the phones and the driving and the deliveries. There are so many points to this, not to mention the taxes and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot. And so just to be here with us today, is just it's super dope. Uh, Mitch, I appreciate you being here on the show. Do you have anything for the people uh, that we need to mention? I'm trying to think before we forget. Man, we just got more stuff coming. A lot of episodes, a lot of traveling. You know, I know we, we talked about it last week, but I'm going to keep tapping in. We got, you know, on, on the events coming up, we got Hall of Flowers, Boston Cannabis Week, MJ Unpacked, MJ BizCon. Um, hopefully, you know, the, the, what's going on with, with COVID, uh, allows a lot of these events to continue to go as they're currently planned. And I'm, I'm excited to get out and network with people. The NFL is requiring vaccinations. And that's interesting because I feel like that's going to send a trend or a standard or a precedent for a lot of other people in terms of like major events and maybe the trickle down effect. I'm not necessarily for or against it. I don't personally think I'm just going to have to react and get it all done so I can travel and be everywhere. I just hope that everybody please is safe and makes the smartest decision that they can make for themselves and their family. Um, I think that's the fairest and smartest thing that anybody can say at this point. Everyone's life in reality is different. Absolutely. Do what you got to do for you. And there's hella ways to make money from home. I mean, I know everyone's situation is a little difficult, but if you got to stay home, man, there's, there's a lot of different ways to make money from home these days. Stay inspired, man. Don't let this, don't let this new lockdown too get y'all down. Definitely tap in with the content. Look at, look at life and look at music, get back to consuming and doing things outside, you know, and you know, breathing that fresh air as well. We, as we get into the fall, the North American weed tour is going to go until December. So we do have 67 more podcasts to do, which is very exciting. We've never committed to something like this before. We typically do events, everybody. Uh, We typically do concerts. We typically do all these different parties and shows and shit. Now we want to just give back to the community and feature as many of our good friends in Washington, the people we've built really awesome relationships with and become friends with here in California for me. And then all of the new relationships we've been building across the country. We have Icefire coming up. We have Mad Mark coming up. House of Cultivar coming up. Treehawk Farms coming up. We have uh, a bunch of other big, uh, popular, small, commercial, craft, technology, uh, lawyers, you name it. We're going to have all kinds of different people across the industry as well as some customers who uh, who we trust and respect what the, how they smoke and what they do. So we really appreciate everybody for supporting us. Uh, this episode went long. Mitch, appreciate you, bro. That's it. Peace. Episode 13, North American Weed Tour. Jay Ping, Mitch Pfeiffer, checking out. Love you guys.